What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR. And joining me every Wednesday morning, my buddy Connor Rogers. And, buddy, we have a loaded, loaded show this week. Yes, we do. We got a lot to talk about. As always, on Wednesday, we dive into both college football, how it affects the draft, and a little bit of NFL with the rookies and sophomore players, which there's a lot going on right now, I'd say so. Right, Matt? Uh, there, there absolutely is a lot going on. Little guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes looks pretty damn good. Uh, but you're right, man. We're going to go around the league. Uh, we're going to do our stock watch, which is always a staple of the Wednesday morning show. Stock up, stock down on some draft guys. And then I just went ahead and loaded the rundown this week with draft on draft questions. You guys have been killing it on Twitter and on Reddit and on Instagram. So we're going to kick back and answer a lot of questions. Let's get it started, though. We're recording this kind of Tuesday morning. And by the time you guys listen to this in about 24 hours, it might be a different landscape out there. But right now, there's a quarterback controversy in Tampa Bay. And Jameis Winston is back from suspension. He is also being sued in a civil suit by the Uber driver who he allegedly groped. And so I tweeted out the other day, I would move on from Jameis Winston. He hired a new agent. And to me, this signals that he might he thinks he might hit free agency. It's the only reason you hire a new agent. And I'm not saying you go with Ryan Fitzpatrick long-term. We saw your team do that. but <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. He does make it easier for you to move on from a guy who is going to want top quarterback money and who has not developed on the field also. Like he is, there's this myth out there because he was the first pick in the draft that he's good. He's, he's not bad, but he's not necessarily good. And then you have all the off-field issues. So my question that I want to pose to you before we get into a lot of other college stuff is, what do you do? with Jameis Winston, and what do you do at quarterback if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I think it's such a difficult situation because, number one, Matt, I don't think he's very tradable right now. I think people are really overlooking this lawsuit and not realizing that it kind of puts a cloud over him right now where a lot of teams in the NFL would want nothing to do with him right now. So for the Bucks, are you going to get anything back I don't believe so. Now, on the flip side, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played well, and we've also discussed this is not a guy you want to go with in the long term. I think some of the turnovers against the Steelers showed really who he is. But like you said, Jameis has had the same exact problems. The highs have been super high, and the lows have been really sloppy plays. So the problem here is, is management guaranteed a year beyond this? And the Bucks have played way better than anyone expected, where they might get that year. I think... We talked about how Dirk Cotter and Jason Light, yeah, they were on the hottest of seats coming into the year. Now, if Light gets a guarantee from ownership that they have some time, you can ride this thing out with Ryan Fitzpatrick, move on from Jameis Winston, and look at next year's draft. Maybe Justin Herbert, maybe Dwayne Haskins declares. I don't love next year's class. I like the promise of Haskins, and I'm intrigued by Herbert. Beyond that, I'm not really excited with it, but there are players there. The question for me is, if Jameis Winston fails, whether that's he comes back and doesn't play or he comes back and plays poorly, does that cost the front offices their job there? And and that's my thing. I'm with you. We said all summer, Jason Light is definitely the on the hottest seat for a GM. We even joked about we know guys in the NFL who are like already asking us, like, hey, do you think that job's going to get yep. open? Because they want us to start putting their names out there for it. So it, it is a fascinating situation. And, you know, I get it. Jameis is 24. You invested the number one pick of the draft. You want to see that come to fruition. You want to see him become a, a top tier quarterback. 
But I, I think, you know, you can wish and want and hope all day. You have a guy who is struggling with turnovers. Uh, he's, I think his message has gotten stale. That's something I've heard from some of the players uh, on defense on that team is that like, man, you know, this guy's corny as shit. And, you know, he he's also just not that good on the field. So, and then I think you can look at it from just this standpoint of Ryan Fitzpatrick is like, we both know he's not a long-term option, but what he's doing with that offense which is pretty much the same offense they had last year with a, a worse running back situation. And, and he's lighting it up. So I think you have to look at that and be like, man, why couldn't Jameis make this happen? And I know Jameis has had like 4,000 yards a couple times, but I, I think if you step away from the stats and actually like, oh, watch him week in and week out, like, I mean, this is not a guy who you would consider one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's had a ton of talent around him. Last year, only threw 19 touchdowns. So I, I think that becomes a very big question mark. And that, to me, um, one thing that I always try to do like this time of year is go down the list of teams and look like, okay, who actually needs a quarterback? Because that is that, that starts so much of the conversation. And I think you have to put Tampa Bay in the conversation right now as a team that does need a quarterback. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be wild, man. As we watch this over the next you know thirteen weeks of the NFL season, especially just to see what happens. But uh, another team making a change at quarterback, and we saw this one coming. Our, our boy Mello's been shouting this from the rooftops on the Friday morning and Monday morning shows. Trevor Lawrence named the starter at Clemson. No surprise, and they have a big game this week at undefeated Syracuse. Yeah, and I'm excited about this one. I know Lawrence is still a true freshman, but. He's got such a lively arm and so much potential. And I like the point that Melo made. Yes, he's played this year. You got to get him ready, ready. Starting reps ready because the games are only going to get tougher after this. That Syracuse front seven is no joke. I think they are going to challenge him, but it's not going to get easier after that. And when you look at Lawrence, he's been pretty good for a true freshman. Already nine touchdowns, just two picks. He's at a 65% completion rate, and he's a guy that will push the ball down the field. That's important to note. I think having a player like T. Higgins there and some veterans on the offensive line really helps him settle in. It's not a guy being thrown in on a bad team. That's what's so important to note. This is about upside. They This coaching staff sees Lawrence as a guy that is not going to get you to the playoff in the future, but it, as a guy that will challenge to win the playoff in the future. Yeah. And if you look at that Alabama team this year, you need to take as many risks as you can because they, don't, they look unbeatable. Nobody is competing with them. So I like making the move to Lawrence now. Why wait? We don't need to wait till 2019. This guy was a top two recruit. You know, him and Justin Fields were the guys. I got to see Lawrence play at the Army All-American practices last year, which I've told you before. He has an NFL arm. And if he's got an NFL arm and you can get him up to speed mentally for such a young kid, this Clemson offense is going to be awesome to watch. Yeah, and I'm with you, man. I, I think what you said, people should stop and think about something you just said. He's not the kind of guy that can just get you to a playoff. He's the kind of guy that can win it. We saw this last year with Tua. Jalen Hurts got Alabama there and struggled. They put Tua in, and it's like a, a switch is flipped, and they win They win a national championship. I think Trevor Lawrence is very similar, and I love that they're getting him integrated into this offense earlier in the season. We saw them, okay, you're going to play a series here and there. You're going to play a quarter here and there. Now, okay, man, go get it. And you have time to acclimate a little bit get into a rhythm and get comfortable before you get into that playoff situation. And I'm sorry I misspoke. That game is at Clemson this weekend, which is even better because he's going to get his first start at home. 
That is a wild crowd. It's an early morning game. It's that's going to be a good one. We won't be able to watch it probably because we'll be we'll be tailgating of at course. TCU. But I know we'll have that it's, on the TV. The TV we'll we have, have a TV. TV there. Just to encourage people more and more to come. Not only do you get free merch if you're a subscriber and hang out, drink beer, get draft on draft question on the show, you can watch games on the TV in the tent. So yeah. it's uh, it's dealer's choice at this point. You basically get whatever you want at the, at the stick to football tailgates. And actually, I'm going to go off. Uh, completely uh, separate from where we were going on the rundown. I actually have tweeted out and I'll put on Instagram our location. So if you want to come find us, we will be tailgating from one until kickoff. And then we're probably going to hang out a couple hours after the game yep. just because why fight traffic when we can sit and drink beer and watch TV. But come find us. Uh, we're right by the stadium in a white tent. It'll say stick to football on the sign. Uh, we're going to have beer, soda, snacks. Like Connor said, we got a TV set up, so we'll be watching games. And if you come and show us on your phone that you're subscribed to Stick to Football, you're going to get some merch. So it's like a pretty sweet deal, I think, right? Yeah, really is. And Mello will be there. I think we should have like set up a stand where like Mello arm wrestles people or something. (laughs) Like we should just do something ridiculous. Natty Uh, chugs. Natty, yeah, (laughs) Jesus. There's, I know. I, uh, if anyone has any tips for how much beer to buy for about 10 hours, let me know because we underbought at, at UT Austin. And now I'm like starting to think, how many coolers do I need? So uh, it's going to be going to be interesting. Uh, Let's just keep this going, though. More news. A lot of news coming out of Virginia Tech. So they they play Saturday and they lose to Old Dominion. Uh, And we talked about this Monday morning. Old Dominion has some stars, um, notably O'Shane Zimenez, very good player. They got a good receiver. Their quarterback went off. And in the wake of that, I think a lot of people missed that Virginia Tech's best defender, yep. defensive end Trevon Hill, was kicked off the team. And they said it was for uh, not upholding the standard of the program. I've heard rumors that, it, like, it's always tough when you hear things. You don't want to, like, propagate a rumor and it, it'd be false. But, like, I've just heard things that happened in the locker room after the game maybe led to this. Um, he, he is a talented, talented guy. Someone that stood out to me week one. I remember writing about him with his first step. He plays right defensive end. He's gone from Virginia Tech, and quarterback Josh Jackson fractured his left fibula. So this is a team that lost their first game after someone said they could make a playoff run, and now you lose your best player on offense and your best player on defense in one weekend. Yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. I think the Hill news is disappointing because, like you said, I mean, he's their best defender, a, a guy that can get after the quarterback, guy that makes things happen up front kicked off the team so you know there's some you know there's some problems going on at virginia tech a talented team that I, once again i outlined the path to the playoff for them it was there this is not the loss that anyone expected that old dominion offense went off now with an injury on the offensive side of the ball it's just in the acc which is really tough this year i know boston college went down this weekend but there's still a lot of tough teams left in the acc this is just a disastrous situation it, it really is and it, it is like you said it's a Good ACC. They they we thought the path was clear for them to make some noise. Then Old Dominion comes in, and I, I like Justin Fuente, their head coach. I, I think he will get things figured out. But right now, like you come across as kind of undisciplined when you you lose to a, a school. No disrespect to ODU, but when you lose to a school like that, and then when your best player gets kicked off the field, that's not or gets kicked off the team. Excuse me, that's not a good look. So uh, not another not good look. I'm setting myself up for segues all over the board here today, man. We want to talk about scouts report or insider buzz. These are things we're going to try to do you and I every Wednesday where, and I was late to record today because I was on the phone talking to a a source. And one thing that I heard this week, 
I, I you know, we had a Mississippi State head coach on last week, Joe Moorhead. I'm a big Mississippi State fan because of their defense. And one of my favorite players is Jeffrey Simmons, their D-tackle. And I'd heard, yeah, there's this video of him out there that, you know, it's going to be an issue come draft time. I was talking to someone this morning uh, who works high up in a front office, and he basically said, you know, this might make this guy undrafted, which is unfortunate because he might be a top 25 player when it's all said and done. So you can find the video on YouTube if you want. Basically, there's a, a fight. It looks like maybe like a family type fight. And Simmons, in an attempt to break it up, somehow... I don't know how this even happens because I've broken up fights before. Yeah, but he mess. starts starts punching a woman, and she's on the ground. He's standing over her, punching her. So it's a it's a horrible thing. And you know, you've known me for a long time. You know, I'm like zero tolerance when it comes to that shit. And there are teams it, that are too. And there are teams that are too. And it will be really interesting to me to see how this actually does affect his draft stock, or if it does. But it, it's a bad bad look for a player who has been so impressive on the field, but it's that kind of thing that it, it, there will, like you said, there will be teams that won't have this guy on their board. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I probably shouldn't list teams, but I know there are teams that have this stance of, if you strike a woman, we don't even watch your film. No, like it's not a, uh, maybe, maybe it was a mistake. It's no, like we don't watch the film. I, I've asked for grades from teams. Like when Joe Mixon was in the draft is like, Hey, what'd you think of Joe Mixon? And they're like, I, I watched one video of him, and it was him hitting that girl, and that's the only film I'll watch of that guy all year. Exactly. It's like, oh, shit. So okay. Here's my question for you, Matt. It, we And you can – the thing is people say, well, what teams are there? You can figure out the trends real quick. If a front office has been with the team for probably four years and have never taken a flyer on anyone with domestic violence history, it, it's a real trend at some point, and that counts everything. So my question for you is, Matt, Joe Mixon went in the second round. At what point – and it was on video. Tyreek Hill, I mean, you and I know what he did. I, I will never root for Tyreek Hill. And I know the NFL itself pumps him up. After knowing that story, I'm good on Tyreek Hill completely. Don't want to talk about him. We'll never root for him. Cannot believe he's in the NFL and one of the biggest, you know, stories. Besides that, Joe Mixon, everyone saw the video and he still went in the second round. At what point is this story become, and this can relate to Simmons, that he'll be off maybe 25 or 28 of the boards, but his draft stock might not change because there's always that one team. Oh, yeah, and that's how it was with Mixon. There were four teams that had Mixon on their board. Cincinnati was one of them, so they drafted him. You know, that's absolutely how it works. And with Tyreek, I mean, he he was at a school not too far from where we live. We knew about this guy, and it was just like, yeah, there's no way someone's going to draft him. I know. Like, this is, this <laughs> is too bad. Nobody thought he'd ever be drafted. Right. And like I like what you were saying about it's hard for you to root for him and you never will. Hey, I get that. And that's absolutely your right, your decision. It's any of our listeners, you guys can say, hey, fuck those guys. We're not going to root for him. And I, I can't believe that I'm maybe in a weird spot to actually defend him. In the Kansas City community, he has at least, I think, tried to make amends and like show contrition and donate time and money to uh you know violence shelters and, and domestic violence shelters and, and like he's gone about it the right way at least yep. so i think there is a not that maybe you can't ever come back from that but i think there is a way to to rehab not only your image but your draft stock and hopefully yourself as a person i definitely yeah i agree i think they say yeah second like, chances hey, i fucked up and you know what it should have never happened. It'll never happen again. I pled guilty and I served my, you know, my punishment. 
I'm a new person. If you can do that, and then that's awesome. And I think with Jeffrey Simmons, that's going to be something that these teams, when it comes combine time, because he's a junior, these teams are going to come in and say, uh, hey, what, what about this, man? And it's funny because it's almost just like you have a human lie detector built into all of us. You're going to sit across from him at a table and ask him this question and how he responds in terms of body language and his answer and eye contact is going to tell teams whether or not they can trust this guy. But it is it's fascinating as someone who is one of the best players in the country. And now we're it's it's late September. We're talking about what's going to happen to him in the draft because of this video. But it could make him undrafted yeah it's i mean it's spot on it's such a difficult situation because it's like yes do i believe in second chances yes but that doesn't mean i necessarily want to root for the player and and the simmons situation it'll be interesting to know the details behind that but there's just no denying that the video looks awful so all right a new segment we're going to debut here on the wednesday show is called kill the narrative there is a lot of nonsense out there all the time and me and matt want to bring something to the table each week that is a very common storyline, just simply not true. Mine this week is from one of the stick-to-football QB1s of the past. Jared Goff is a system quarterback. That was a common theme last year. They said Sean McVay saved him, which you can argue he did, but, I mean, this situation Goff was in the year before that was not good. Jared Goff is not a system quarterback anymore. If you go back and you watch the throws he made against the Chargers... Jared Goff is a very good NFL quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's a top five guy right now, but for a player that's, I think, just turned 23 years old recently, he is going out there and making plays. Excellent throws, the placement on the throws. This is a guy that, similar to Mahomes, where you have the right weapons around him and the right coaches around him, but they are still talented and going out and making things happen. I love to see the steps that he's already taking this year because he's going from a guy that can run the system to a guy that can thrive for the system. Yeah, and I, I always hesitate to talk about Jared Goff because there's still people out there who are like, oh, you just praise him because he was your top quarterback in that draft. And and after injuries, he was my number two player because Miles Jack and Jalen Smith got hurt. So it was Jalen Ramsey, then Jared Goff. And a lot of people will, oh, it's just, uh, you know, confirmation bias. I'm with you. I don't see anything that says system quarterback. And people who want to argue like tooth and nail about system quarterback, every quarterback ever is a system quarterback then. Like the Packers run an offense that allows Aaron Rodgers to move around and his receivers are taught to, you know, break away on blitzes or when he scrambles. Like that's the system. And I think everyone has to just operate with what they're given. I see Jared Goff as being, I mean, some of the throws he's making are just phenomenal to me and the timing and the vision that he's showing are great. And that's like the quietest 3-0 and start for an NFL yep. team, maybe ever. Like, I, Not enough is being said about how great the Rams look. And, I mean, like everyone's caught up in Mahomes being amazing and the Dolphins are 3-0 and and maybe more is being talked about the fact that the Patriots are 1-2 and or that the Browns won a game. But the Rams being 3-0 and is a pretty big story that we're not talking enough about. So love that, kill that narrative for sure. Here's mine for you. I've seen everyone saying... The Chiefs always start hot. Last year, they started 5-0, and and they, they petered out. Teams catch up to them. I'm going to kill that narrative for you. I don't think anyone is catching up to this offense because you can say that you're going to figure out Andy Reid's tendencies, and you're going to figure out some of the play calls. You still have to match up with the talent, and I don't see any defense out there maybe other than the Rams, they can match up with this talent because Tyreek, Sammy Watkins, I mean, 
eight different guys, nine different guys have caught touchdowns. They still have one of the best running backs in the, in the nation in Kareem Hunt. You have Travis Kelsey. Chris Conley's starting to get cooking at wide receiver. And I think a lot of people forget last year the reason they struggled was because Conley got hurt. He is very important to this offense. So the idea that teams are just going to catch up to Andy Reid because they have in the past. Well, he didn't have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes No, in the past. he did not. I don't see anyone catching them. I'm with you. I look at this Chiefs offense, and I know I just went on a rant how I don't root for Tyreek Hill. I can still analyze what's in front of me. He's probably the fastest player in football and one of the most explosive wide receivers in football and a very good football player. Sammy Watkins, it's almost like people forgot how good he is. And he got in the end zone finally. And that ability after the catch, the ability to stretch the field, like you said, with Kelsey, Mitch Schwartz is quietly a very good right tackle. They can run the ball. But Mahomes' playmaking ability, when you can do all those other things so well, the question is, what can you do when things break down, when things don't go right, when the receivers don't separate, when you can't run the ball, when the pass protection's not perfect, when the tight end isn't always open? Pat Mahomes can make something happen. And we saw that perfectly this weekend with his ability to scramble out and throw from any angle with as much velocity as anyone in the league. And I'm with you, Matt. This Chiefs offense, I do not see it slowing down. Yeah, I don't either. Not at all. And let's uh, let's quickly get into these sophomore and rookie quarterbacks, man, because there is a lot to digest. We saw Josh Rosen briefly, and they did not do him any service to put him in late. And take a David Johnson out. That's a great idea. We're going to see him now as a starter for the Arizona Cardinals. So if you're keeping track, four quarterbacks were drafted in the top 10. They will all be starting now. Baker starting in Cleveland. Darnold obviously has been the starter all along for the Jets. Josh Allen starting at Buffalo. And now Josh Rosen starting in Arizona. I don't think we're going to see Lamar Jackson starting anytime soon for the Ravens outside of injury. I mean, we've seen him more as a wide receiver or you know, kind of gadget offensive player than we have uh, as an actual quarterback. But four quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 now they're all starting which is really how it should have been all along I I think it's kind of bullshit that they waited to even get these guys in the field Uh, I don't know how sitting and watching for two weeks is supposed to help anyone but now now we see it where these guys are actually the starters well it's the Deshaun Watson thing all over again where it's like the coach just starts the the guy the other guy because they're so stuck on giving the rookie time And then when all shit falls apart the first two weeks, it's like, nah, we're good. Get the rookie in right now. It's like you could have gave him all those game planning times. And I know Baker Mayfield said, listen, he's like, there's no difference between me preparation wise of being the backup to now being the starter. I'm still preparing the same way every week. I know Rosen is the same way. Obviously, Darnold came in and was I mean, I think not to be biased here. I think the Jets did the right thing by starting him because this is it's not a playoff season for the Jets it's a building season for the Jets and Darnold had a really nice week one a pretty average week two and a horrible week three and guess what for a 21 year old quarterback that's generally how it's gonna go all year highs and lows and Josh Allen really really rough debut really nice bounce back week so the Bills are like the Jets where you're not going for the playoffs but you're getting something out of the season I like that all four are playing right now I thought Josh Rosen should have been the starter anyway. And now I think with a game plan and some time and working with the ones, he's going to be okay. Putting him in with two minutes left where Khalil Mack can pin his ears back and try to kill him, not okay. Just an embarrassing coaching decision. I do think when you look at Lamar Jackson being the fifth guy, his wait will be a little longer. I think they're okay with Joe Flacco starting games. I don't understand playing him at wide receiver or trying to throw him passes. It feels very forced and does not look good, but... When you look at these other four teams, they're making the right call here. Here's something interesting to me. There are three 
teams right now that have not won a game. The Arizona Cardinals, and they've only scored 20 points, right? That's, I don't even know how it's possible to only score 20 points in three games. Second team, the Houston Texans. A lot of people were saying Deshaun Watson was going to be league MVP this year, and, and they were going to take over. They've looked horrible. The third team, horrible. the Oakland Raiders. John Gruden's back, baby. All right, now as we always do on the Wednesday show, stock up, stock down. We're always looking towards the NFL draft, and we got a lot of guys to go through this week. I'm admittedly taking the Matt route again where I'm doing a lot of stock ups because I saw a lot of good positive performances this weekend from uh, you know draft-eligible players. First one, this guy has gone really under the radar. Defensive back on Washington, Jordan Miller, a classic Huskies corner with the length. Now, a lot of people forgot about him because he got hurt last year and came back as a starter this season man he played really good against Nikhil Harry I'll say that and I know Nikhil Harry gets no help from his quarterback but you want to look at tape that might suggest hey Harry might have some trouble separating completely at the next level not all the time I know he wins in his routes but I'm saying Miller looks really good against him and if you're looking for underrated corners you know about Greedy Williams you know about Levante Taylor uh, DeAndre Baker the list goes on with those guys up front Miller is a classic case of a guy that got hurt as a junior that's coming back and building a very strong case as a senior. Yeah, I'm a fan of his. I was actually trying to pull up my notes real quick and and see, but I liked what I saw from him, especially in that game. And so far this year, that's a very good secondary. And so it is, I think, sometimes easy to to forget about these guys. But uh, props to you for calling him out because he he definitely looks like someone that not only is Taylor Rapp a top prospect and not only is Byron Murphy, but Jordan Miller is pretty dang good, too. I mean, uh, he's. I think he's probably like a day, early day three guy on my board right yep. now. Uh, if my notes would pull up, that'd be fantastic. It's, but it's a DB factory over there, right? It, it is, man. And off memory, that's where I had him. So uh, definitely like his game. Uh, I'm going to cheat here and not like I did last week and, and list all ups. But I'm going to go two guys because they play for the same school and they're very important to each other. Stock up for Justin Herbert and stock up for his wide receiver, Dylan Mitchell. Mitchell went off. Uh, in a big game last week. Uh, unfortunately, a loss for them to Stanford, but he played very well, and I think we saw how he can be used. In the open field, he can be a threat. Now, they got down in the red zone in overtime, and they kept trying to go to him, kept trying to go to him. That's not his game. He's not your big post-up receiver like our Sega Whiteside for Stanford is. He's your guy you want to get him the ball and let him make plays after the catch. So I like Dylan Mitchell, and this is turning out to be a pretty dang good wide receiver class, by the way. Maybe there isn't that... A.J. Green, Julio Jones battle at the top. You know, it's not Kevin White, Amari Cooper, uh, or, you know, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, but the depth of this wide receiver class looks pretty good. Now, Justin Herbert, we talked a lot about on the Monday morning show. Uh, You go back and listen to that if you kind of want real-time reactions to what we thought about him coming out of the weekend. I I still have questions. I really do. And I I think more of my questions are about, you know, like character and toughness and things like that, which – I've, I'll be straight up, I've requested time with him and haven't got it yet because he's a junior. And they're like, we don't know if he's going to declare. We don't really want to give him you know, time with a draft analyst right now, which I respect and yep. I understand. <laughs> and, and so I haven't been able to answer those questions on my own. But there is definitely, uh, you hear it every time area scouts go through, there is, you know, damn, this guy throws the ball beautifully. But, you know, there's always a but it's with weird. Him. Yeah, it really is. And, and I honestly... You know, I, I can't really remember a top quarterback where I heard that about them. Um, but from a like from a skill set standpoint, I thought he was going to be more like Jared Goff. And I still think he is at times, but he's just I mean, he's bigger. He's like 240 more pounds, too. And he runs yeah. better. Yeah, he runs so much better. So 
it, he might be more of like a, a bigger Mariota yep. as opposed to a bigger golf. I kind of see him as being that type of athlete. So he's my number one quarterback right now. Um, and, and I don't love it, but, <laughs> but he is, I mean, and, and maybe this is just one of those years where I'm not going to fall in love with the quarterback prospect. And it's just going to be like, yeah, this guy's the best one, but here are the reasons why you should be concerned. But, man, I mean, he, he looked really, really good against Stanford, and that's not an easy thing to do. No, without a doubt. I mean, there's a lot to like about Herbert, but that doesn't mean you have to have a first-round grade on a quarterback every year. And I feel like that's the way you and I are trending, and I know Melo's the same way. I keep my excitement here for Haskins. I want to see him in the bigger games. And if yep. he lights those up, it's going to be hard for me to not make him the top quarterback. But right now, it, it looks like Herbert to me and, you know, Herbert Haskins and everyone else. All right, staying in the Pac-12, one more stock up for me here. Nate Herbig, the Stanford guard. Good Lord, man, this guy is really good. I know Stanford, you know, really nice comeback win against Oregon. Herbig seems to be the guy that doesn't get talked about enough there. Somebody's got to be paving the lanes for Bryce Love these last two years. He was an all-Pac-12 first, you know, all Pac first team guy as a sophomore. Now you look at him as a junior and you're like, okay, this guy's the real deal. You're looking for a really good run-blocking offensive guard that is probably going to declare and have a lot of promise as a top 50 pick in the draft. I like what I've seen out of Herbig in a guard class that I haven't found enough names yet. Yeah, I like Herbig a lot as well. And uh, it, it, you're right. On the interior, it's like, oh, you got Michael Jordan from Ohio State and then you got the big boys of Wisconsin. After that, you kind of like, oh, man, maybe it is. Maybe it is Herbig. Maybe he's the next guy. Um, Elton Jenkins at Mississippi State might be looked at as more of a center than a guard prospect. So it, he might end up being, you know, the the one player that we really see out of this class on the interior that, that gets you excited. Um, I, I This wasn't on my list, but I'm just going to talk about it briefly. Bryce Love, uh, I, I tweeted about a decent amount during their game, was like, man, he just looks kind of average. And then he started to, to go off a little bit. He started to get cooking. And it was like, oh, well, maybe maybe he's back. I went back uh, yesterday and watched some of that game. They were so backed off, Oregon was defensively. Just like, they, I mean, they had the lead. They thought, okay, Stanford's going to throw. So Oregon backs Just off. Let him and that's run. Bryce Love started to gash him a little bit. So, uh, no, that wasn't him. It was all like it, they were taking what the defense gave them. And he did rip off one long run, I think. But, yeah, I... I just wanted to clarify, I, I'm not swinging to the Bryce Love you know, love fest or anything after a couple good runs. Uh, stock down for me, actually doing a stock down this week, Jarrett Stidham, quarterback for Auburn. Uh, and, and we've told you before the way a lot of my process works over the summer is, it's almost like, you know, talking to scouts, general managers, and hey, here are the guys I like, what do you guys think? And I kept hearing, like, yeah, Justin Herbert might be the guy because he's tough, he's accurate, he's mobile. Man, I just haven't seen it. And I think one of the things that he struggles with most right now is getting to that second or third option. You know, it's when his first read's there and he's on time, it's pretty. I mean, it look, it looks good. He looks like Trubisky, kind of looks like Sam Darnold at times. But then when it's off, when he has to get off schedule, I think that's where he starts to struggle a little bit. There's some hero ball that he's trying to play, and, and I think he needs to just calm down and play within the framework of his offense a little bit. But... I just I still think that there are teams that could fall in love with him because we see it every year where it's like oh there's not a QB one, but by April there is like teams are, oh no 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 this guy's you know he's incredibly smart and he's you know very accurate and he just didn't have any help at Auburn you're gonna hear all those things I think about Jarrett Stidham so he could still end up being a top ten pick because of the need of the position but 
you know, we're four weeks in, and that's not a guy I want to, like, really throw my stamp of approval on. No, I'm with you right there. I, I'm stocked down. I'm, I'm agreeing with both of your stock downs this week, which seems like the easy way out, but they're the guys we have to talk about, and we'll get to the yeah. other guy in a little bit. But when you look at Stidham, I've caught a trend here where scouts do like him, probably because as the league trends towards, you know, being a little more RPO-friendly, He's a guy that can do that, and he's a guy that you look at the skill set and you, okay, we can tailor our offense around that. But in the big moment, when the game gets too fast, and when things do get off script, like you said, the turnovers pile up. The decisions become a little more questionable. And I'm not saying he's not tough, but some guys just have a different edge and gear when the game is on the line, and I'm still waiting to see that. So... I, I think Stidham is just a guy that's a day two quarterback that a team will try to develop because he has the tools. I don't see a top 10, top 15 pick here and a guy that you really dedicate your franchise to. Yeah, and I, I do want to add in, I said sometimes he looks like Darnold. That's where they're different is because you watch Darnold in big games where USC would basically be like, okay, Sam, go win it for us, and he would do it. I mean, there was the game against Texas last year where he just takes over. There was the Rose Bowl the year before that, and I haven't seen that yet from Stidham yet. I, I think, on the contrary, you'd say he kind of shrinks against big big competition. My other stock down guy, and I know you said you were, you were on board with this one too, is Drew Locke at Missouri. I, and I saw the Georgia game as one that, okay, let's see what this guy can do against DeAndre Baker in a pretty good Georgia secondary. What's he going to be able to do? And you can blame it on Emmanuel Hall being a little bit slowed up, but they have talent. I mean, they're, they're tight end, Albert O, big player. Their left tackle is a prospect NFL teams like. Their running back, uh, Demario Crockett, is a player NFL teams and, and all of us like. Drew Locke, this is not Josh Allen at Wyoming. And I wish people would stop with this. Like, oh, well, he doesn't have any help. Oh, he's got he, help. <laughs> he has help. This isn't even Carson Wentz in North Dakota State. Like, he has help. His skill players are going to be drafted. They're probably going to start in the NFL. So stop with that nonsense of he doesn't have help. Stop making excuses for a guy just because you liked him. Like watch the watch him play and evaluate him. And I think with with Drew Lockett, oh, he just misses too many balls. And you can break it down to mechanics. He throws so many balls where his feet aren't even on the ground or he's on his back foot. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers can get away with that shit. Drew Lock can't. And it, it's it. We see it with. You know, balls are late or they're on the back hip of a guy or he's just sometimes he's just missing reads. And I I know that there are definitely people out there, whether they are scouts or analysts on Twitter, in the media that like Drew Locke. I just can't get on board with it, man. And I I know the first thing that somebody's going to say listening to this is you liked Josh Allen. I liked Josh Allen because I thought everything about him was fixable. That was that was wrong. The mechanics. I thought. Okay, I, we can fix his accuracy by fixing his feet. With Drew Locke, I just don't see that. I'm with you there. I don't know why he always fades away on certain throws either. Right? It's like my because okay. So when I watched Locke this summer, I actually was like, okay, he's better than the completion percentage indicates, but mechanically, it's gonna bite him in the big games. And now I'm watching this year, and I'm saying, why? Like these are habits that you can fix. You went back to school for your senior year to fix things and become a round one quarterback. None of the bad has gotten better. And it's he's not a bad player. That's not what we're saying. But he's not the top tier quarterback that many want him to be. So stock down for Drew Locke. This is the stretch of three games coming up. We just saw one this weekend where he's going to be challenged. I don't think he passed the test many wanted him to this weekend. I thought he was just okay. All right. Last two. Stock up for both of them. Same team. 
the different sides of the ball. Devin Bush, linebacker on Michigan. Kron Higdon, running back on Michigan. These guys are making plays every single week. Bush is a tackling machine. He's good on the blitz. When you look at Higdon, he's starting to carry the offense as a you know, running back that did go back to school this year, probably for hopes that Michigan would contend for the playoff. I'm really excited about both of these guys because I don't think they're overly flashy and will not ever get the top maybe 40 love that a lot of prospects get. They go out and ball out every single Saturday. They are not the problem on Michigan. They've had some problems over the years. These guys are not it. I'm excited to see if Higdon can really establish himself as a a solid running back prospect. Devin Bush is undersized, but I don't care. Put him on the field, his instincts, his pursuit, the guy could play. Yeah, I love Karen Higdon. I think I tweet every Saturday, like, there he is again. Just give him the fucking ball. Big runs. He's really good. Vision. Yeah. He gets outside. Just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, last one for me, stock up, Devin White. Go ahead and get in my top five players, man. man. So I mean, good. He's just so fluid, so smart. His instincts are amazing. Great athlete. I mean, this is this is a Miles Jack type player, in my opinion. So, uh, welcome to the top five, Devin White. I've been waiting for you to get here, buddy. You absolutely deserved it. All right, y'all. Been a fun show so far, and like we said, you can come find us at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, this Saturday, one o'clock, all the way up to kickoff, and then after the game, we'll be out there tailgating as well. But you want to come before the game because I can't promise that we will have anything to drink eat or any merch to give you after the game it's gonna go come find us we're gonna be in the tailgate guys village and thank you so much to them for hooking us up when when we started to brainstorm we want to do this tailgate tour we i I think we thought it was going to be a lot easier right we would just show up to these towns and we would tailgate (laughs) that's what you would do in the nfl college is a different animal so thank you to the tailgate guys holding our hand at fort worth this week where they're like okay this is how you actually get things done you basically have to it's cool because you just reserve this tent set up and they do everything for you You just show up with your beer and chips and and they have like tables and chairs and coolers and tvs and you just you know there's no no cleanup which is great so that's not an ad for them by the way but it's just like i mean it It i'm really excited about it It, it's going to be carefree for us and if it rains we're under a tent if it's hot we're under a tent so come find us hang out and like connor said Show us on your phone. You're subscribed to Stick to Football. You're going to get some free merch. So it's going to be a great time. One guy who would definitely get free merch if we ever meet him is Patrick Chamberlain because he sends questions every damn show. We do three shows a week, and this guy sends questions great every questions. time. Great questions. He wants to know, who is the current best one-loss college team? Wisconsin. I think so, too. Okay, good. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> it's Wisconsin. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I wanted to say Texas here just to be a homer. Hey, it is. I think it's uh, Wisconsin. Texas looks awesome. They're probably in the top three of one-loss yeah. teams. Right, Auburn, Washington, Wisconsin would be it for me, though. Man, uh, Matt, where are you going to watch Texas-Oklahoma in two weeks? Um, I have my son, so I'll be home. Right? No? Right? Is that where I'll be? 12 o'clock game. Man, I don't know. That is, I have to what are you going to do if Texas I live by game? my calendar. Uh, I'll probably streak naked. Would be my... <laughs> When, when is that game? Is it October 6th? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Here's what's funny. So every year we try to do like a family getaway, like my, me and my kids, Melo and his kids. So we will be uh, we'll be like in, uh, I don't want to say where we're going to be. I'm so like, can you hear me? Like, I don't want to say where we're going to be. Uh, <laughs> You'll be we'll somewhere be, doing we'll stuff. We'll be at a lake house. Okay. So, yeah, we got a game plan around that. Um, 
Uh, honestly, one of the biggest wins Texas ever had over Oklahoma, and it was kind of an upset. It was a few years back, and my daughter was cheering at like a you know little like a pee wee football game, so I couldn't watch the Texas game, and they won. So I've almost become superstitious about not watching it because they tend to win when I don't when you, watch. Yeah, when you're not there or when you don't watch. Yeah, I mean. When you look at Wisconsin, they get the weekend off, and then they get the the classic make good again, good game against Nebraska. Scott Frost, it's tough because he doesn't have his players yet. But Nebraska just got steamrolled by Michigan. I think Wisconsin yeah. will do the same thing. Then you beat Michigan. If they could beat Michigan, they'll be rolling there. So I think they can rebound from what was a really tough loss. All right, this next one, uh, I'm assuming this is Manga Luzo. Who, Absolutely. Yes, who, yeah. yeah, who we got in the rundown is Mongo, which is awesome. Always sends us awesome, awesome questions. All right, does Eric Dungy, obviously from Syracuse, quarterback, have legitimate Heisman odds after we down <laughs> Clemson this weekend for the second year in a row? Hey, if yeah, he do- if yeah, that if, happens, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is that <laughs> I mean, be 4-0? Yeah, but with a win over Clemson. To be fair, Tommy DeVito has led them to some of their to at least one of their wins. Yeah, so Man, I, I'm here for it. I hope it happens. Um, <laughs> Eric Dungy is a really interesting guy. I mean, he's been red hot this year, and I know they they you know when they played Florida State, I mean, he barely had to play because that was they just the game <laughs> beat yeah. the hell out of them. So uh, you know, but against UConn, he was great. It's so funny because like you never know with him. Is he going to throw fifteen passes and they're still going to you know score fifty points, or is he going to have to like carry the team and throw thirty times to try to get the offense going? But I, it's so funny he ran for two hundred yards against Western Michigan. Oh, I know that's yeah, Jesus. He completed forty percent of his passes, but he ran for two hundred yeah. yards. So. In all seriousness, no, I don't think there's any chance in hell he could win the Heisman unless they somehow run the table. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to see a guy like that making plays. Eric Dungy for Heisman. That would be fantastic. All right. Sports Fiend, uh, he always, always active on Reddit. Really appreciate this dude. And I love this question because I think about this shit all the time. Yep, me too. If NCAA football had intro music for every team as they took the field before kickoff, what would you want your favorite team's rideout music to be to get hyped? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I got to just run through a list. There's so many good songs. So I've, I've told you on Mellow before, I do weekly radio in Chicago. And the radio station is like, hey, what do you want your intro music to be? I love and that. And I spent days thinking about this, like just scrolling through like my like Spotify, like workout playlist and all these things. And I thought I had one, you know, and I was like, I don't want to do Inner Sandman because that's it's corny. It's yep. been so overdone. overused. So, it, so I was going to go Dropkick Murphy, like going up to Boston. Yep. And then I found something better. Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine. Oh, any Rage and they Against kind the Machine of like, is great. They kind of sample Cashmere by Led Zeppelin a little bit. But, man, that song. I've been just like cruising around town in my Jeep listening to it now for like a week because it's it's an amazing song. I love that pick. I, I'm going to keep it pretty simple and probably say Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana because it's just absolute mayhem throughout the song. That's a good one. Anything by ACDC works. Um, I would even consider going to some wrestling themes, like the old oh, Triple yeah. H walkout song, or you make Stone the Cold. stadium go pitch black. Oh, Stone Cold would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> you make the stadium go pitch black, and you do the Undertaker and the Bell. Oh, that would be terrifying. That would be cool. So, I can see like that working at like Virginia Tech. Yeah, which has an awesome entrance as one of the most iconic yeah. entrances. I can't. I cannot wait for Baton Rouge. It's gonna be, it, it, dude. You know how hard it was for me to get a hotel. 
I do because I booked a month ago. Yeah. So, oh, oh man, yeah. I was sweating bullets, and like then I was like, I'll just get an Airbnb. I went on Airbnb. There was like twenty options, which is not a lot if you know anything about Airbnb. Right. Not a lot at all. So I finally got a hotel room. Man, Baton Rouge is gonna be absolute mayhem yeah i mean like let's get through fort worth and not die but baton rouge is gonna be crazy so i can't we, wait we'll have details on that tailgate real soon as well all right this one from brett mitchell since we lost ryan Shazier, the steelers defense has fallen apart do you see devin white from lsu or josh allen from kentucky as a fit for the steelers at inside linebacker oh man i like that um devin White's i do perfect for them devin white i don't think you're gonna be picking that low nope um but he would be perfect i i do like josh allen i think he is a first round player probably late first but um yeah he any to me josh allen fits what they've done defensively by drafting guys who are a little bit more upside as opposed to like you know ready to rock and roll and you could art i mean tj watt had a you know, came out was pretty good right away but he was seen as more of a developmental player because you know he had played offense and moved to defense and was just like this great athlete i think josh allen kind of fits that mold of being this little bit of a raw inside guy to me he's bernardrick mckinney all over again in terms of what he is like as a player and what his upside is and you know mckinney has has been a pretty dang good player uh for the he really Texans. has he got extended and he's just yeah. a rock solid starter for them yeah so uh, yeah i'm i'm all about that I, I definitely think that the josh allen would be a realistic type fit for them at the end of round one they need corners uh, man god yeah, already burns like what i didn't like that pick anyway no but he was so raw coming out and it was like well you like his length and he could press but can he it's like, yeah, no, I don't like Charles really. Edmonds either. No, I don't like their secondary. So Joe Hayden played really hard. He had a good hit last night. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays hard. But like, I think that clock is ticking a little bit in terms of how effective for how long he'll be. They're a team that I, I don't think Greedy Williams gets there. So you got to wonder, like, is DeAndre Baker a fit for them? I could see, like, Kendall Sheffield is, I think he's going to be in that 20 to 30 range. So he could be, he could definitely be in there. All right. this la- Well, we got another one from Sports Fiend. I think this one uh, might be a little directed towards me, or at least in relation to me. As a long-suffering Jets fan, and due to the recent play of my beloved team, our head coach has come under some well-warranted scrutiny as of late. If you were the owner of an NFL team, what would be the top reason for you to fire your head coach during the middle of the regular season? I have a very specific one. Let your front office, who has gotten better each year, they're getting good players for this team. The head coaching has not gotten better. The same mistakes are there. Let your front office get an early start on who to hire. That's why you fire the coach early. That's what I would say. I mean, we saw this happen last year uh, with coaching and with some front office teams like the Browns fired Sashi Brown. That enabled them to get John Dorsey before someone like the New York Giants could. So a lot of people say, oh, why fire a guy week 10? What good does that do? Season's over. You're, you're not any good. It allows you to start whether it's legal or not, to start working on the next guy. So, you know, right now there's not that red-hot coaching candidate. But say, we'll stick with the Jets for our buddy here. Let's say the Jets decide, you know, we've seen it with Todd. He's not getting it done. We have this really exciting young roster. So we're going to make a move. So if you let him go in Week 10, Week 11, whatever, you can start working on Lincoln Riley. Yep, give him everything. "Hey, Hey, you know what? We need a young offensive mind to come work with Sam Darnold, and we're going to get you a running back in the draft, and we're going to we're going to work on this offensive line. We got some picks that we can use. We're going to be aggressive. We got a ton of fucking money to spend in free agency. Come in now and start helping us make this plan. You know, 
come in after the college football playoff, you know, whatever that is, early January, which is right around the time we see all the firings anyway. So it gives you just that amount of time to to start working on it. And, you know, we've seen with the Jets, like they, you know, they tried to get Kirk Cousins and they felt like they were in it. And they basically got played uh, by the agent in order to drive up the cost for the Minnesota Vikings, same for the Denver Broncos. Like all these teams got played a little bit. So, and you know, the Jets the year before that, they tried to get Tony Jefferson. They kind of got played to drive up the money. He was going to go to Baltimore anyway. So I think they have to make a splash and they, they are going to need some time to recruit their guy. And they're going to they're going to need to pay is really what it comes down to, because you got to pay someone to come in there and play against Tom Brady twice a year and try to take that division. You can't just hire, you know, some guy. You you have to, I think, make a very good hire and get someone like a Lincoln Riley, like a David Shaw. And really in the NFL right now, there are not like the hot coaching candidates. Like John D. Philippe is not going to get it done. Like that's not going to move the needle. The league doesn't view him the way fans do. Absolutely not. It's the weirdest thing. Like people, Jets fans specifically, this has been going on for literally five years. People have said, what do you think of D. Filippo? And I'm like, well, what are you like? What are you asking? And they're like, head coach. He he makes quarterbacks. I'm like, I got news. The ask anyone around the NFL, and they go, uh, no, not as a head coach. No way. Exactly. And like I, you know, I try to do this a lot. You know, looking at GM candidates, head coaching candidates. Like Josh McDaniels ain't going to the Jets, guys. Sorry. And I don't think the D. Philippe is the guy that you want, like you just said. But then you get into guys like Terrell Austin, Jim Schwartz. You you generally don't fire defense to hire defense. So unless um, you're the Jets, unless you're the Jets, yeah, they but do it every I time. Could, you know, uh, an interesting name out there is Dan Campbell, uh, who he's with the Saints now, but he's like a Parcells guy. He's a tight end coach for the Saints, but it, he does a lot more than that because of Sean Payton. But actually, shit, there's the name I would I would try to get Sean Payton. You know, it's like that's been not a weird crazy. relationship. It's not it's not crazy. But Chris Peterson, David Shaw, Lincoln Riley, those are probably the the college guys I would actually go after. I would give Lincoln Riley my apartment in Hoboken to come coach here. I know Ooh, it's not enough, there we go. but I, I'm sweetening the pot for you. If you're listening to me, Mike McCagnan, that's that offer stands. All right, next, this one from an g- absolute great name, Frenchie Fry. As spread <laughs> concepts make their way to the NFL, how far out are we from the 3-3-5? I, for one, think the Browns are a strong safety away from having a deadly 3-3-5 if they move Peppers to slot corner and let him just run wild. Oh, man. That's tricky because, um, like... It, Yes, you can blitz a linebacker, but like I am so anti three man rush, where I I like a more traditional, you know, nickel package. Per se, I guess it depends on the personnel you have. What do you think, Matt? I'm with you. Like I think there are we already see some elements of that. I mean, you know, traditionally it's more like four two five, but I, I've seen New England run a three three five. Yeah. Like not not in late game situations, just they do it sometimes. So I, I do think that. It's possible, you know, that we could see something like that. But I, I man, I would just think you would just get gashed like crazy in the right. I game. think so. T- I think people would figure it out real quick. Like, if you're gonna do it when you're up by a decent bit, and you just kind of want to litter the field with guys that can run and chase and run and cover, and right. you have the three guys up front that can, you know, control their gaps and maybe get push the pocket a little bit. I get it because it's more of a shell. This drove me absolutely insane when the Jets were just up 14-3 coming into the second half against the Browns. Todd Bowles almost sat in like a cover shell. 
And Tremaine Johnson and Claiborne are fine, but the middle of the field, Baker Mayfield was doing what he did in college. Just see the guy open and throw. You're, you have to be up by so many points in this modern NFL to play like that, or you'll get shredded so fast. Yeah, without a doubt. And like Melo's big thing is like, we're going to see a reversal to more power football. We're going to see more power football. Uh, and I, if you come out there with a three three five, man, like you might get, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I would just run inside power all day, all day long. All right, next question uh, from KP Will ninety six, and this one kind of addressed to me, but I, I wanted your take on it. He said, "Hey Matt, a few years ago, there was a video on Bleacher Report of myself and a handful of other analysts discussing what the least important position was in the NFL. If I recall correctly, you actually made a good case that running back was in fact the least important position. Now that it's been a few years, what are your thoughts on that same topic? So I think this had to be like 2013 or 14, probably. It was before I started working there. Yeah. And at the time, like we had really seen the running back devalued in the first round. It just wasn't happening. And kind of like this plays well into that last question. We've seen a resurgence of the run game a little bit. Um, I mean, you could say like fullback is the least important position now, probably. But like, I would still say that if I were building an offense, running back's the last position I would look to fill unless you come into a rare talent. Like if you have the chance to get a Saquon Barkley or Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, because guys like that make everyone around them better. They make the job of, of the quarterback easier and you don't have to have, you know, as good of, of everything else if you can have a great running back. But, it, you know, for me, it's, Obviously, you want the quarterback, and I think then you want the offensive line, wide receivers, and I love tight end play. I think a great tight end just makes everything so much better in the middle of the field that opens things up. I would say running back would probably be what I would prioritize least. Now, I'm also like a huge fan of you know a lot of the like Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan type offenses where if your scheme's right. You can plug Orlando's Gary back there and get a thousand yards, you know. So it's not as important to go get a great running back in those schemes. Yeah, look at Matt Breda right now. Not calling him a bad Lead player, the league in rushing, but just yeah. showing you an average player. It looks like a great one because of scheme. So what a well thought out question too. You have a yeah. loyal fan. Yeah. Oh man, we KP have we have the 96. best fucking fans in the world. I know they don't forget anything, which can probably hurt us at some point. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, this last question of the show from Luke Reeling. I have a very early 2020 hashtag draft on draft question for stick to football this week. We haven't had a suck for luck kind of campaign in a while. Eh, in the Jets world, they had it for Sam Darnold before the season <laughs> even started. But I, I know what you mean. Should we go with Bomb for Fromm in 2019? And which NFL teams could you see as potential landing spots for him? Well, the Giants should pray that they get Fromm or Tua. But I, I think we talked about the yeah. Bucks a little bit earlier in the show. What do you think? Yep. I, I think the Giants are definitely that team where you you hope. And God, Jake Fromm would be such a fantastic fit in that market. It'd so be perfect. The thing is, can teams be patient? Can you wait until 2020 to get your quarterback? Or are you going to panic and take Herbert or Stidham? So I, I think that is, you know, that's the big question right now. Is our team's going to be able to wait? Can you sell ownership on, we got to get by for one more year with Eli Manning and Kyle Oletta? But then, if we're bad enough, we can get Jake Fromm. It's kind of like with the Jets. It was, can we get by for one more year with Ryan Fitzpatrick? If so, oh. we'll have a chance at Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or, or Baker Mayfield or whoever it might be. But I, I definitely think that's the thing. Like People, I, I think, outside the league forget sometimes that as a front office, you have to sell your plan to ownership and get them to buy in on, hey, we might be bad for another year, but after that, we're going to get a guy who's a difference maker 
and in that rookie contract, it's going to give us a five-year window to do things, and and that's that's really really important and hard to do. Here's one for you, Matt. 2020 Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah. Do you think if the Cowboys miss the playoffs this year and win, I don't know, say seven games, do you think they give Jason Garrett and the Dak and Dak Prescott another year? Uh, one more year. One more year, right? I think they, I, because I think there would be the argument like, okay, well, we had a lot of turnover on the offensive line, you know, like getting Connor Williams in there, Travis Frederick being hurt is huge, or not hurt, but out with, you know, uh, whatever he and had, Tyron Smith, was called it was Tyron going Smith, elite to just downhill. good. Yeah. But here's the big thing, no receivers, right? So I think that that's what would do it is that Jerry Jones can convince himself of anything, and I think that's what he would say is like, okay, well, no. You know, we should have drafted Calvin Ridley instead of Leighton Vander Esch, maybe. And, you know, now we got to get an offensive line healthy together and we need to go to a receiver. So, like, I could see the Cowboys going like, you know, Nikhil Harry in round one and saying, okay, if Dak doesn't get it done now, you know, we have Alan Hearns, we've got Michael Gallup, we draft a receiver. If he can't do it now, we got a problem. And I think with Dak, what you're seeing is, and I, I actually really like Dak. I just, I don't think he's ever going to be a top. 12 quarterback is he's just so conservative you need guys who can make plays and that's why that first year with Dez and when Zeke was not suspended they were so good because he had guys who could make plays and now you see the talent taken away from him he's not good enough to elevate those guys so you need to give him you know a Jason Witten a Dez with Dez Bryant and, and having Zeke going behind the best offensive line of football well that can win 10 11 games but he can't do it on his own and on the flip side with the Dak situation He's the guy that was taken outside of the first round. So while there's no fifth-year option, his cap hit is so significantly low this year and the next year. That might be some incentive to ride it out one more year. And you say, okay, if after 2019 we don't like what we've seen, let him go. You let him go. He'll sign somewhere else, and you could draft your guy in the 2020 class. So where it is this year... You don't have to extend Dak right now. Like, his leverage is not there for an extension. And as we talk about this quarterback class being weak, the Cowboys don't have to panic and take one this year. Like you said, Matt, you could start building the core for maybe the next guy if things yeah. don't work out. So Dallas is one of the more fascinating teams in the NFL from an off-season perspective because they have some work to do, but they kind of have the landscape where they can always turn things around quickly. Yeah, man, it's the Cowboys are... God... With that offensive line, and and they have some players on defense. They like really do. think they could get it done. So, all right, buddy, that's our show. Cool thing is I'm going to see you Friday night, so just a short wait until I, that long embrace that that's we've been missing. Oh, uh, at TCU, going to be awesome. It's I can't wait. Great. I've never been to Fort Worth, actually. So, oh, I'll show you around. I uh, can't barbecue. wait. Barbecue, yeah. we're going to drink so much Lone Star and Shinerbach. It's going to be wait. fantastic, man. You guys definitely want to come out. Like, we can't stress this enough. We want to meet you guys. We want to hang out with you. If you're 21 plus, come get a free beer. If you're 20 and under, come get a free soda. We're going to have some snacks. We're going to have TV set up. We're under a tent. And just come hang out. We're going to record live draft on draft questions. So if it's like, oh, I always wanted to send one in, you can come record one on the mics with us. Meet the whole Stick to Football crew. It's going to be a great time. We we really look forward to these things. And, and I know a lot of people like they have to go do these events. No, we beg to do them. Like we want to go do these events. So please come out and say hi. Uh, we're all looking forward to it. We're going to get in town Friday night. Uh, so you might even see us out in Fort Worth. It's going to be a blast. 